How many lies do you believe? Christ tells us that the truth will set you free. You may think you know the truth and agree with all the doctrines of the church, but how free are you? This episode will explore the lies the enemy of our nature tells us and how to experience the person who is truth. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I have been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I have discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. Welcome back to Physically Spiritual. In today's episode, we're going to talk about truth and lies. But before we get started, a few points for showkeeping. I want to remind you about our show notes. I make every episode, every effort to make show notes for every episode that are useful and valuable, hopefully, to you. So we'll have all the quotes uh, that I refer to in the show in the notes. If you want to support everything we do here at Awaken Catholic, consider becoming a part of the Awaken Nation. Go to awakencatholic.org forward slash join to become a part of the nation. We are also partners here at Awaken Catholic with the Hollow app. Hollow is the only Catholic meditation app to help you find peace and grow in your spiritual journey. Go to hollow.app forward slash awaken. And finally, if you want to go deeper in these topics or want help applying them to your life, consider uh, finding my blog or coaching practice at becominggift.com. I want to start this episode with an extended part of the scripture from John chapter 8, verse 31 to 45. The story uh, from John's gospel says, Jesus then said to those Jews who believed in him, If you remain in my word, you will truly be my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will be free? Jesus answered them, Amen, amen, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in a household forever, but a son always remains. If a son frees you, then you will truly be free. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, But you are trying to kill me because my word has no room among you. All right, let's pause there before we finish. First to note, it says that Jesus said to those Jews who believe in him. So these are the ones that believed in him. These are the ones that were following him. These were the ones that were on board. They were, in a sense, part of members of the church. They believed in him. And yet he's still challenging them. If you remain in my words, you will truly be my disciple. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What he says is if you commit a sin, you're a slave to sin. Meaning, if you know the truth fully, completely, your whole person knowing the truth, then you won't sin. If you sin, that's a sign that you, in some way, don't know the truth yet. Um... He goes on to then, uh, he he brings up uh, 
that they're uh, children of Abraham, or they bring up their children of Abraham, and they, they say that we were never slaves, uh, which is kind of funny. They were slaves in Egypt, and then later they were conquered um, by other people. And even at this time, they were servants of the Roman Empire. So maybe not slaves, but um, so that, that's an interesting dialogue there. Uh, so let's go back to the text. He says, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no room among you. I tell you what I have seen in the Father's presence. Then do what you have heard from the Father. They answered and said to him, Our father is Abraham. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works of Abraham. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You are doing the works of your father. So they said to him, We are not illegitimate. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and am here. I did not come on my own, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I am saying? Because you cannot bear to hear my word. You belong to your father, the devil, and you willingly carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks in character because he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Right, so as you're hearing those words, realize the start. He's speaking to those who believe in him. So, so there's this dynamic that, that they've begun to believe, yet they do not perfectly believe. Uh, there's some space between maybe the faith that they agree with intellectually and the faith that they're living out. There's some space uh, between their notion of God and, and their practice of God. Um, so note what he says here um, about uh, leaving space for the word. Right? This word word in Greek is very interesting. It's the word logos. Uh, and we might translate it as word, and it often is, but it's also often, it could be translated as reason, hierarchy, order. Right? So, so it's also referring to this more fundamental order that God has in the universe, the design of God, the plan of God. So he said, there's no room for the word in you. So this begs the question of us. Is there room for the word in me? Not just that I agree with the faith intellectually, I agree with the doctrines of the faith, but what's the truth that my life professes? What's the truth that my actions profess? Does my body know the truth? Do I live the truth in my day-to-day -day life? You know, for me, all of this goes back to that story we visited uh, so many times before, that, that original sin, that first sin. The enemy's the deceiver, the liar. He encounters Adam and Eve in the garden, and, and he tells them a lie. He says, God doesn't want you to be like him. And yet, from the beginning, God created them in his image and likeness. It's absurd. Uh, it's, it's a lie. But, but that lie implants a certain distrust in the freedom 
of the gift that God is offering them. Right? So, so this first sin begins with the enemy's lie. And, and I think what Christ is saying here is that every sin also begins with a lie. So in order to be reformed, we need to be reformed according to the word. But it's not just a head knowledge kind of faith that we need. We need faith that imbues our whole person, body, mind, and soul, reason, will, our passions, our relationships, our psychological side, and our physical side. We need to be in harmony with God's word. Oftentimes, these lies are implanted in us by the enemy when when he proposes uh, other people's shortcomings as demonstrations of his lies. And through them, he invites us to agree or come in alignment with his deceit. Uh, So so oftentimes, um, we might start to believe a lie uh, based on, on an experience that on the surface might not seem uh, that off base. So in the last episode I talked about, or two episodes ago, I talked about the lie uh, of not being able to speak what I thought, right? that my words weren't worth saying. And I shared some of my journey about how I have come through that lie in my life and continue to battle with it. I want to share uh, another lie that I believe that I've become aware of and I'm still journeying through. And I, and I think maybe sharing with you how I realized I believe this might illustrate a little bit more what I'm saying. Um, so this is the lie. That I need to hate the fat that's on my torso. I repeat that. It rings in me. I need to hate the fat that's on my torso. Right? Honestly, I don't know where this lie started. I, I don't know. I'm still working that out. But here's how I've realized that I believed that statement, that I've acted out of that statement. Uh, so, so in different situations in my life where I was in a place where someone might see my stomach, right, where, where my shirt might lift up or something like that, um, I, I realized that it felt, it didn't feel like, oh, uh, you know, that's not preferable. It felt like that's the end of the world, right? My feeling around that didn't fit. My, my visceral reaction to that possibility wasn't in line with the truth of the situation. You know, while it's, it's great to be, to be modest and it's good to, to wear clothing that fits and to not expose parts of your body um, that you don't need to, um, on the other hand, like, is that really that big of a deal? <laughs> Was it the end of the world? But to me, it felt like the end of the world. So, so that, uh, that break between sort of what makes sense in the situation and how it feels to me, that's a symptom of a lie. Another thing I did, um, and this is something that I've had to repent of, was there were, was, were times in my life when I would make fun of skinny people. Uh, so it might be more common in our culture to make jokes about someone being overweight. Well, I went to like the opposite extreme. I would make comments about people's thinness. And, and I was acting out of this wound. Right, and this for me, I th- I think um, was really out of character, right? In in a lot of other ways, I would have never pointed out something that someone might be sensitive about, um, or, or who knows what's going on in that other person's health, um, and yet I would point it out and make light of it, right? So I was doing something out of character. It didn't fit 
with how I acted in other areas of my life. And, and this can be another symptom of a lie, that there's some way you're acting out in a way that doesn't fit with who you are. Uh, here's, here's another thing. I've, I've shared some about my weight loss journey. Uh, the Lord, um, through loving, wonderful doctors and, and, and diet and exercise and changing my whole lifestyle, I lost 170 pounds. Right? Praise God. Uh, but here's where I found myself uh, just over a year ago. I, I realized um, as, as I would weigh myself, I'd weigh myself um, about every day, and I was just trying to track, you know, am I trending up, trending down? What had the food that I'd ate in the last day, how it had, had affected me, so on and so forth. And I found that a helpful tool as I was losing weight. But once I got closer and closer to uh, a weight that I thought was healthy, the weight loss slowed down and even stopped. And at times I would swing up a few pounds and then swing back down a few pounds. Um, so at my lowest, I was, um, I was lighter than I was in seventh grade. Let me say that again. I was lighter than I was in seventh grade, meaning like I was the weight that I was when I was like 11 or 12. Um, still not a quote-unquote normal weight by the world standards or the BMI, but, but I hadn't seen this number on the scale. Like I literally hadn't seen this number on the scale. Um, and, and even in light of that, that I, I had, by God's grace and the gift of so many people supporting me, and, and by persevering, gotten to that low of a weight, I still wasn't happy. And I had to face the fact that no number on that scale would make me happy. And, and I knew that was the case because when I would step on the scale and it would just be a few pounds heavier, that would affect the rest of my day. So stepping on that scale was part of my morning routine when I made my coffee. And then I would go and try to meditate and pray. I started to notice that I couldn't focus or I couldn't pray as well and meditate as well uh, when that number was bigger than it was the day before. And I realized there was something in me um, that was disordered toward that. And so I had to make a shift in my life to not focus so much on weight and health, not focus so much on being thin or something like that, but I had to start focusing more on my mental health and my spiritual health. Right? What was going on in me to have those feelings? What, what were the, the roots of that lie? What were the experiences of that lie? How can I bring that lie to the Lord and ask him to heal it? And I'm still working through it. Um, but hopefully, th those ways that I, that I noticed, uh, those disturbances in the present, right? those things that didn't fit, that were too big or too small, um, that, that put me out of character, they... They helped me trace back to that realization of what I really believed. And if you would have given me like a, a test where I was filling out from my, my best thoughts, um, you know, I wouldn't have put that answer down on paper. But when I'm really honest with myself and what I felt in my body, I believed that lie that I need to hate the fat on my torso. So how do we work through a lie. Um, maybe, maybe some things that have already come into mind about some lies that you might believe. Um, you know, don't don't put this in a box. Uh, be open-minded um, to ways that you might be out of line with the truth. That you haven't left space for the word in your heart, in mind. I've been formed um, 
in my thinking by the work of the John Paul II Healing Center and uh, Dr. Bob Schutz. So I'm going to put links in the show notes to his podcast called Restoring the Glory. They have some great episodes where they talk about um, what what these lies are and how to work against them, what the wounds are that, that lead us to these lies. Um, so I'm going to link that, and I would encourage you to look into the work of Dr. Bob Schutz um, for even more on this topic. I would propose that we come at these lies from both a top-down and a bottom-up approach. Meaning we work at them on, on a spiritual plane, top-down, and we also work from a physical plane, bottom-up. Uh, we can do both. So there's a simple prayer that I was taught, and it's simply this. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie, and put your, the lie that you believed in there, and then state, I announce the truth that, and then put your truth in there. Um, so I, let's, let's put it in my context. I might announce it this way. In the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the lie that I need to hate the fat on my torso. And I announce the truth that I am loved and accepted regardless of what my body looks like. Amen. That's all it is. Is it funny when I say that? I, I even get like a like a wave kind of going down in my torso, like a little bit of cool water coursing uh, down my my nervous system. So we can begin to pray against the lies when we notice them. To in the name of Christ renounce the lie, and then announce the truth, and and start to work from the the bottom down on those lies, both casting out the enemy, casting out the influence of the serpent from the garden of our heart, and then announcing the truth and making space for the word in the garden of our heart. But we also can work from the bottom up on these lies, meaning asking the question, what does your body believe? Right? What's the visceral reaction you're having to this? In the last episode, we, we talked some about presence, being aware of what's going on in your body, and some exercises uh, to develop that awareness, that attunement to your internal states, and then also exercises to find safety and comfort um, when you feel dysregulated. Uh, so what does your body believe? What I mean by this is, do your reactions fit the situation you're in? Do your reactions, meaning when you're in the situation, what you feel is the case, what you think is the case, what's coming to mind, how you're reacting, does it fit the reality when you sit down and actually think about what's happening? Uh, so, so my reality in, in the case of the scale was, well, I probably maybe drank more water the other day. <laughs> maybe I had a little bit of stress, right? I didn't sleep well. Maybe I just ate a little bit too much. But whatever it is, there's a normal ebb and flow to weight, uh, up to five or 10 pounds. Uh, and I've experienced that, that my weight kind of flows. Um, I've started to just weigh myself like every week or every month. And it's funny now, like I step on the scale and it's always the same. <laughs> um, so there's a, a natural ebb and flow happening with the weight. And yet, even in spite of the fact that I knew that reality, my body reacted to seeing that number in a way that threw me for a loop. Right? It, it, it changed my day. Um, so, so what are ways that your body is reacting untruthfully? in a way that doesn't fit the situation. Right? We can bring to bear here the tools that I talked about in the last episode about finding safety, about finding regulation. 
Um, but I also want to propose now um, folding those tools into some spiritual practices, the, pra the practice of Christian meditation. So first I would propose a, a meditation that St. Teresa of Avila taught, and it's simply sitting with Jesus. She said that the simplest and best meditation sometimes is just to call to mind Jesus Christ seated on the throne of your heart. So call to mind Jesus seated on the throne of your heart. You might use your imagination uh, to picture what Jesus looks like, what that, that room inside of you, that garden enclosed in you looks like, feels like, sounds like, smells like. And then in that space, in your imagination of being with Christ, realize that, that that part of your brain that's shifting your autonomic nervous system through safety and danger, that part of your brain doesn't distinguish very well between what's present, what you're remembering, and what you're imagining. So so if you're doing a composition of place and imagining what that looks like, your body is going to react to it. So then noticing what's happening in your body, practice that awareness, right? What do my toes feel like when I'm sitting with Jesus? What do my arms feel like when I'm sitting with Jesus? What's happening in my heart? How am I breathing? How am I digesting? Um, how fast is my heart beating and so on? So becoming aware, uh, scan your body and also scan your senses, right? What do I see? What do I hear? What do I smell? And then notice your thoughts, right? Take those thoughts captive. Uh, what's coming to mind, right? Do I feel guilt and shame? Do I feel like, oh, Jesus can't be in me, right? No, not me. I'm too bad. Uh, so, so notice the thoughts you have and ponder them. Talk to Jesus about them, right? Enter into a relationship. He's really there and he loves you. He wants you to be free. So talk to him about it. It, and then ask him to give you an experience of who he truly is. Right? Let the Lord affect you spiritually. But then also in it, use those safety exercises, those exercises to find safety in the moment, to notice that, that everything is, is fine. Right? Jesus is there, and you haven't been hit with a lightning bolt yet. <laughs> so you're, you're safe. You're safe with him. All right. So with these exercises, we're making space for the word in our heart. That's what Christ said. You need to make space for the word in your life. So the second way we can bring that word into our life, the person of Jesus Christ, is meditate on the scripture. So do the same kind of meditation with the scripture. Take a story from the scripture, like maybe the story that I read at the beginning of this podcast. Hear Christ saying those words to you. Imagine what Christ looks like. Uh, feel the scene. Maybe you're on a mountain and it's breezy. Maybe it's the summer and it's warm. But enter into the scene and then notice what's happening. Notice what's happening in your body. Notice what you're thinking about. Uh, notice uh, what the experience is like. Um, and then talk to Jesus about it. Enter conversation with him. Uh, share what you feel. Share what you question. Um, talk about um, things that don't make sense. And then leave space for silence for Christ to respond. And, and don't put conditions on that response. Like Jesus can respond with your distractions. <laughs> Jesus can respond with your dreams. Jesus can respond with sensations in your body. He might respond with uh, something that plays out in your imagination or maybe a word that pops into your mind or a feeling that comes into your heart. Um, so don't come in 
putting expectations on Christ's response, come in open to what he's doing. And then finally, another way we can make space for the word is by going to Mass. As, as, as Catholics, we believe that the Eucharist is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ sacramentally present to us. So by re- receiving the Eucharist, we are receiving the word of God. All the power that created the universe is, comes in that host. So by receiving that word, we're, we're making space for the word in our heart. But we also need to bring our life to the Mass. Right? We have to ask the question, how come if I've received before, why didn't it just make me perfect? <laughs> right? Why didn't it banish all the lies? Why didn't Christ miraculously perfect me? Maybe he did. I don't know. <laughs> then you should come and be a guest on the podcast because I'd love to hear your story. But I know for me, I've received the Eucharist thousands of times, and I'm not perfect yet. And the reason why I'm not perfect is I haven't been able to receive everything Christ was offering me. Those lies are places in my will where I'm bound. I'm not able to receive the grace that God has for me. And and God's taking me lovingly through a, a process, a gradual education, a gradual formation, a gradual healing uh, to make me more and more like him. Hopefully, praise God. That's what I believe is happening. But we need to bring our whole life to the Mass. So when we're going to Mass, there's really three preparations. There's the the immediate preparation, and this is probably what we all think of when we're preparing for Mass. Meaning, what do I do when I I show up at the church? Right? So so, um, so I'm going to show up, maybe kneel, pray a little bit. I'm going to try to engage with the movements of the Mass, sit, kneel, stand, listen, pray, but but really try to be present to what's happening. And then with that, there's like the in the moment. In the moment, I'm actually receiving Jesus. Right, so, so what are you doing in that moment of disposing yourself, of trying to be present to what's happening, of, of having that conversation, that intimate moment after receiving with him? Right, so this is the immediate preparation. But there's also uh, an extended preparation where I would propose we're actually bringing our whole life to the Mass with us. Right, so, so the way that I've lived, I've habituated myself to either be disposed to the sacramental grace that's offered or to put up barriers to the sacramental grace that's offered. So I'm bringing the, the habits that I've formed, either the places of freedom, the places of knowing the truth, of having space for the word into that mass, or I'm bringing my, my places of brokenness, right? my places of believing lies and being a slave to sin into that mass. So this is why at the beginning of every mass we have the confidior. We, we confess that we're sinners. We ask for God's mercy and we receive forgiveness. Uh, but even more than that, we need to not just have our sins forgiven, but we need to work against the temporal effects of that sin, or what's sometimes called the attachment to sin, our disposition toward the sin, or the habit toward the sin. And to do this, it's, it's a work of our whole life. Right? We, we might think that, that grace um, wants to work in us like a cruise missile, like it's a targeted strike that comes and just takes that one sin away. But then we're otherwise unchanged, this, this isn't actually how grace works. God wants to change everything. He wants us to give everything to him. And in response to us giving all to him, he offers all of himself back to us. Right? So, so I stop sinning not because God has plucked the sin out of my life that's otherwise the same, 
but I'd stop sinning because my whole life is different. And so my whole life proclaims the truth. My whole life is being with the word, practicing the presence of God, as opposed to on the opposite extreme, right, where, where I'm disconnected. And so what's happening on the surface is I'm doing sins, right? But the sins are a symptom of the dysfunction throughout my person. So in conclusion, let's review. The truth will set you free. But what truth do you really believe? What truth does your body profess? What truth does your mind profess? Uh, Notice the places in yourself where you believe lies or you act as if the lie is true. Uh, Renounce those lies in Christ's name and announce the truth. Make space in your heart for the word. So sit with the Lord in meditation. Enter the scripture. Enter the Eucharist. Uh, These these deep, meaningful encounters with the word of God, Jesus Christ himself. Um, You know, so uh, there's this great exchange between Pontius Pilate and Jesus while he's being condemned to death. Um, and, and, And in that exchange, Pilate says, what is the truth? What is the truth? The, f- the funny thing is, is Jesus is the truth. Like he's, he's talking to the truth. But Pilate's looking for uh, an idea, like a concept, a philosophy of truth. And what Jesus brings is a person who is truth. That while yeah, ideas come with it, doctrines and theologies and philosophies about Christ, but it's also a lived experience of the true, the good, and the beautiful. So we need to enter into that experience with our prayer, our meditation, our sacramental life. And by it, more and more and more, let the truth set us free. This show and all media on Awakened Catholic is made possible by the Awakened Nation and the Hollow app. The Awakened Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hello.app slash awaken.